Here we are at episode seven of BC's Path to Universal Child Care podcast. Welcome listeners to this important episode where we have the great honor of welcoming Karen Isaac from the BC Aboriginal Child Care Society to discuss the impacts of the Federal Early Care and Learning Plan and the 10-a-day child care plan on Indigenous children and families in BC. We are honoured and ever grateful to work and live on the unceded lands of the Musqueam, Squamish and Tsleil-Waututh nations. We want to thank them for having cared for these lands and waters since time out of mind. We would like to recognise that this podcast is recorded on traditional unceded land and waters and honours Indigenous ways of knowing that have nurtured the children of this land from time immemorial. BC Aboriginal Child Care Society, also known as BC Acts, is a center of excellence for Indigenous early learning and childcare and was established in 1996. Today, we will discuss the ongoing implementation of their mission and vision and how the new plan for universal childcare could support their commitment to ensuring that every Indigenous child has a healthy and happy start to life. So today, we're thrilled to introduce Karen alongside our ever brilliant podcast host, Gita Chud. Hello, dear Karen. Thank you so much for joining us today as we discuss the important topic of ensuring that Indigenous children and families are at the heart of positive changes to childcare in BC. So our first question asks you, Karen, to please share with us and our listeners a little bit about the history of BC Acts. Uh, We've learned that your organization began in 1996, but please elaborate a little bit on some of your primary vision, mission, and values. Great. Well, Gita, thank you uh, for the opportunity to talk about uh, Indigenous early learning and childcare. It's an extremely important topic and hopefully uh, one that um, we can shed some light on because it it is a a complex uh, policy environment that we're all working in currently. Um, Getting to your first question, uh, yes, you're right. BC Acts was established in 1996, actually by resolution of the First Nations leadership of British Columbia. Uh, BC Acts was mandated to implement the uh, First Nations Inuit and Childcare Initiative that was announced by the federal government in 1995. And that initiative was intended to address the lack of licensed and regulated childcare uh, on reserves across Canada. So uh, with that mandate, we were uh, able over a four year period uh, to create and establish 58 licensed childcare facilities across British Columbia, serving about 800 children and families. You have to remember too, in 1995, there were probably 50 licensed childcare seats on reserve in British Columbia. So a huge progress. Uh, a national evaluation of Finicky uh, highlighted uh, BCX has a, an example, a national example uh, of excellence. Um, anyway, since then, our work has evolved, of course, immensely, and encompasses a full range of research, policy, education, training, and direct service delivery. What makes BCX unique from other organizations, I would submit, is that we are politically mandated. And in the current context, of course, we're very privileged 
to once again be mandated by the leadership to support the implementation of the uh, National Indigenous Early Learning and Childcare Framework in BC. So it's a, it's a big mandate uh, and one that uh, we um, fully embrace and we're, we're really proud of the role that we've played uh, in the past uh, 15, 20 years. And, you know, of course, look to the future for, you know, during this immense opportunity. Thank you, dear Karen. What an extraordinary little bit of history that you've offered us in terms of the um, uniqueness and the mandated role of BC Acts, the phenomenal uh, success that you have had over the years that has been uh, uniquely mandated at a political level. So um, fully embracing that mandate and all the initiatives that have happened and are going to happen really gives us a very strong introduction to your organization. And so we'll move on uh, from all your excellence in research and policy and education and training and serving all the Indigenous families that you can to the second question. And that is, does the 10-a-day plan adequately acknowledge and address the cultural needs and the barriers that Indigenous children and families have? Uh, that's a very good question, Gita. Um, thank you for that. Uh, I think for the most part, uh, we can say that it does. Um, certainly, there are some common interests that we all share, of course. Uh, uh, anyone who's involved in this sector, of course, shares common interests and concerns. I think, you know, for the most part, the focus on capacity strengthening, workforce support, research and policy, certainly uh, certainly ring through uh, for us as an organization that's been involved in this work for the last 20 years. But there are distinct differences. And you know, those aren't fully clear or explained uh, in, the, in the plan. I would submit that the notion of inherent rights, uh, jurisdiction and self-determinations which are at the center of meeting the needs of Indigenous children and families haven't been fully explored. Uh, and certainly I think this exploration needs to be taken up with governments and Indigenous leadership. So I think that's a piece of the work that still needs to happen, unfortunately. Um, you know, um, so far, um, you know, there have been commitments and investments made, but I think um, having the ability or a process where uh, both levels of government and Indigenous governments meet to develop a plan going forward that looks at um, these important questions of rights, jurisdiction, and self-determination, uh, which have been articulated in a number of policy initiatives uh, over the you know, over the last two decades, for example. So, um, you know, in terms of our perspective, early learning and care is a matter of jurisdiction. It's not just about service delivery. And so, um, so I guess what I would say is that 
the how is just as important as the what. And so we appreciate uh, certainly, you know, our partners in the sector. Uh, we sincerely appreciate uh, their efforts to increase, increasingly voice their commitment to Indigenous self-government. But there is a long way to go, Gia. There is a long way to go. Indeed. And I, I find myself nodding in affirmation to everything that you've just said here, Karen. Uh, the fact that, you know, there are so many common interests and concerns um, within the 10-a-day plan, and you named an, a number of them. Um, and at the same time, some distinct differences that have not as yet been fully uh, explained or addressed and the notion of inherent rights, uh, jurisdiction, self-determination still really needing to be addressed by government and Indigenous uh, leaders and organizations so that we absolutely have made some progress and yet the how, I loved how you said this, is just as important as the what. And this still needs more time, attention and joint concern and planning. Wonderful. Okay, we'll move on then to our next question. Um, also a fairly complex one, a word you've used, I think, in, in all regards so far. And the question is phrased as such. The federal early learning childcare plan includes $10 million to sustain and provide no cost service to indigenous families, both on and off reserve in spaces created by funding the previous agreement. Were enough spaces created to meet the needs in rural and remote communities? And will this new funding provide enough support to families living in those spaces? Big question. I was just going to say, that is a big question. <laughs> uh, and, and, and I guess, um, I, I think it's a start. Uh, you know, as I said in, in my last comment, uh, it's more about the how. And so I think it's really important, again, to, I, I, I guess, kind of try to explain, uh, as you pointed out, it is complex because of um, you know, the different roles of the federal provincial governments in all of this work and the role of, of Indigenous leadership and community in this work. So, um, so I guess, um, you know, from our perspective, I think it's really important for partners to understand the role of political leadership in, in our communities and understand that what uh, Indigenous people are looking for is radical change, transformation. We need to transform and do this work differently in a way that is respectful, that speaks to reconciliation. And importantly, um, an important word I've added, I call it my three R's, restoration, reconciliation, and respect. These principles are really important in the go forward. Uh, you know, we uh, acknowledge that the provincial government has made some investment in one aspect of programming uh, for Indigenous people, both on and off reserve. We have, uh, but again, I, I think trying to understand the context is very 
is really important in terms of our work. And, and you know, we're always trying to navigate these, these different uh, initiatives, whether federal or provincial. So it does make for a complicated dance. Uh, but I think it's important for listeners to understand the policy context and why we are where we are today. Uh, as you all know, um, the TRC, the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, um, uh, studied issues of governance and jurisdiction for, for many years, and in fact made a recommendation uh, around early learning and care. So, you know, that resulted in the federal government developing the, I, the Indigenous Early Learning and Child uh, Care Transformative Initiative that resulted in the co-creation of the Indigenous Early Learning and Child Care Framework. As you all know, that was approved uh, by Canada and Indigenous leadership in, I think, October 2018. The years are just uh, yeah. 2018, <laughs> I think, yeah. We were there. Anyway, so the co-created framework, as you all know, has three distinct streams. Uh, Inuit, First Nations, and Métis. Now, alongside the Indigenous Early Learning and Child Care uh, Framework, of course, is the Multilateral Early Learning and Child Care Framework, which to date has, has formed the foundation of bilateral agreements with provinces, including British Columbia. These agreements in various ways have included investments for Indigenous children and families, sometimes with a a focus on urban communities, and, uh, and at other times, a focus on both on and off reserve. So, um, so in spite of all these different, the two frameworks, uh, and in spite of the commitment to ensure that the two, that the national frameworks operate collaboratively, um, to date, they are being managed separately. And this has created immense complexity in how these two streams line up to best support Indigenous self-determination and early learning and childcare. So again, it's it's uh, it's it's a you know there is some uncertainty, there is lack of direction, and I would say and I would submit um, you know that um, despite all the commitments made under the uh, the DRIPA legislation, as it's called in British Columbia, there's been little, um, there's been little dialogue discussion with First Nations leadership. And you know, that was very evident too uh, in June of last year or July of last year, where um, Canada and BC signed off on the uh, bilateral agreement. And even though it referenced uh, commitments to Indigenous people, there was no dialogue, no discussion, not a single word with Indigenous leadership. So uh, there's a way to go in terms of ensuring that Indigenous voice um, and, and that Indigenous leadership partners with governments on the way forward. I mean, I'm hopeful that that will change in the next few months or a year where we actually have that, that table or that process where leadership from our community and leadership from Canada and BC come together uh, to uh, co-create a path forward because to date I think that's what's been missing and I think that's what's so um, 
um, that's what's missing. And, and, and my hope is that we can get the table set where the parties can come together and really map out um, a pathway forward because um, it's really important that, uh, you know, our leadership is at the table in partnership with governments to look at these longstanding issues. Right. The what and the how. <laughs> Indeed. Well, thank you again so much, Karen, for your very comprehensive uh, response to that question. Um, and again, you focused on the issue of the how, you know, the uncertainty and the lack of discussion and dialogue uh, between First Nations leadership and government, uh, probably at both levels. I wonder, Karen, if you could just repeat for us your three R's. Oh, my three R's are redress, reconciliation, and respect. Redress, reconciliation, and respect. I just absolutely love those. And I'm taking copious notes as you speak. So I wanted just to be sure that, yes. pardon me, that was highlighted. Thank you, okay. thank you. Yes. Well, Gita, I truly believe, you know, early learning and care is a pathway for reconciliation. It's okay. a pathway for healing. And, you know, and, and you know, I truly believe that. I really, really believe that strongly. Yeah. Okay. The journey along the <laughs> pathway. Absolutely, dear Karen. So we'll move then um, to our next question. And you did earlier on reference the workforce. So this question focuses on that. And the question is framed as such. In terms of the workforce, all childcare programs face a critical shortage of adequately trained and qualified educators. We imagine Indigenous programs face this issue as well. Can you speak a little bit to what is needed to support educators to be qualified to work in Indigenous programs that include cultural knowledge and sensitivity? Another big question. Yeah. Well, Gita, you know, we've done a lot of work on this issue, actually. We've published a lot of research and, right. and other documents related to this whole question. Of course, there are unique challenges facing in Indigenous communities, uh, issues of accessible training, consistent staffing, and valuing non-ECE roles in programs. So, as I said, you know, there is there are immense challenges um, and it is complex. And I think, you know, having gone through almost two years of a uh, worldwide pandemic hasn't helped, helped matters. Mm -hmm. Anyway, uh, I think certainly, again, uh, we have continued to advocate for, a, for the development of a strategy uh, that is designed by, with, and for indigenous communities that center the unique opportunities for recruitment, training, and retention. I think, again, you know, we just can't be simply added. We can't simply be an add-on in other people's planning or strategies. So again, um, you know, thinking about the Indigenous Early Learning and Child Care Framework and the First Nations piece of it, you know, in that, in that framework, uh, we have, um, 
short, medium, and long-term uh, recommendations or strategies to address a variety of issues, including uh, staffing and retention. So uh, it's a long-term approach that's needed. Uh, but again, going back to the original, um, you know, the original statement around the need to have Indigenous voice at the table, uh, articulating and developing the strategy in collaboration with our partners in government, uh, you know, that's what's needed to really move and address some of these long-standing issues. You know, they've been with us for almost 20 years now. A lot of work to be done. Yeah. It's, that seems to be my refrain. <laughs> well, because the fact of the matter is, dear Karen, it is an absolutely both realistic and truthful refrain. So you've referenced that lots of work on this unique, uh, these unique issues and challenges um, around staffing and training and recruitment and retention. Um, and that this cannot just be seen as an add-on and that you do have both short, medium and longer term strategies to address this issue. And again, Karen, kind of um, encapsulating your, your complex dance, I think, as you referred to it, and the absolute critical need for Indigenous voice to be at the table. So very well said, and we are learning so very much. <clears throat> so our final question maybe gives you opportunity, Karen, to kind of, again, highlight some of these key issues. The question says, going forward, what are the key challenges that you would identify? And at the same time, what gives you optimism? Well, Gita. There's another master's degree thesis. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. I, I, you know, I, I think I would like to focus on the opportunity that's before us, right, as a society. Um, and again, you know, you know, in in my vision, it, it, well, let me take a step back. Um, BCX has been involved in a lot of, as I said, research, policy, and engagement over the last. 15 years around this important topic uh, with our communities, with the, our leadership. Um, and the vision has always been the same, you know, uh, respect uh, our right or recognize our right to be self-determining people, that we have the ability to care for our children in ways that uh, build self-esteem, build uh, cultural identity, uh, language, access to language. So these things we have heard over and over again from our communities. You can look at our website to see all the reports we've done uh, trying to document the voices of our community. And the message is the same. Give us the power, authority, and the capacity to do this work. We can do it. So, uh, so I think, you know, for me, uh, I see I have a lot of op optimism in the ability of our people to, to do this work. Uh, it just needs to be supported by governments in ways that is meaningful uh, and in ways that really allow us to uh, build uh, and support children in the early years. So I think, you know, um, it is really important that 
this work is led by First Nations and Indigenous people. Uh, you know, we have to move from this colonial relationship to a government-to-government -government one. And that's where I see the hope. And it's not just about governments. We hear this from elders. We hear this from early uh, childhood educators in the community. We know what needs to get done, they tell us. We just need the tools to do it. And my hope is that the framework, the Indigenous Early Learning and Childcare Framework, and the national commitment to a, uh, a nationwide early learning and care system will allow us, will give us, will provide that opportunity to move away from the past and really create a new path for the future that is based on Indigenous terms, Indigenous values, and ways of knowing and being. Whoa, Karen, we would wish that you were right now in front of the parliament giving this very same address and love too that you focus on optimism and opportunities and the hope that BC Acts has been working for over 15 years, respect, recognition of self-determination, cultural identity, language, and giving the power and the capacity to Indigenous uh, communities. And I think your final words, we can do it. And so you have, and so you will, even in the complexity of the entire situation. So Karen, we thank you profusely for sharing your experience and your knowledge as you move from the past to the new path. We have learned a tremendous amount and your responses to our questions, absolutely meaningful and building our own knowledge and capacity with great thanks. Well, thank you, Vita, you're very kind and thank you for the opportunity. Yes, thank you so much, Karen. I think we've all learned so much today. Um, redress, reconciliation, and respect, definitely the three, the new three R's for sure. Um, thank you again. It is incredibly important to have the impacts on Indigenous children and families at the center of these conversations around change and how we can better support early care and education. BC Acts holds such an important role in those communities as an advocate and also a voice for Indigenous early learning and childcare services across the province. Thank you. Thank you so much, Karen. That was amazing. Um, and thanks so much to all our listeners for joining us today. Um, just a reminder that you can get BC's Path to Universal Childcare wherever you get your podcasts, um, but you can also join our mailing list at wccrc.ca forward slash enews dash sign up to get all of our episodes and more straight to your inbox. Thanks, everyone.